Every single one of us is here today carrying the weight of the things that have been done to us and the things that have been done by us. For many of us, it is a weight that we bring here, even wondering, is Jesus, does he have anything to say to this baggage that I carry? Is there any healing in Jesus? For some of us, this is a last-ditch effort to find peace and wholeness. And perhaps it's through the self-talk, some of which you've heard in the video, and that we remind ourselves of the abandonment or the addiction or the depression. Regardless of what your baggage is, we all carry baggage with us. And so collectively as a church, we take this to Jesus. But today... We look at an aspect of baggage, a type of baggage that oftentimes gets overlooked and yet runs rampant. Today we look at outrage. We live, don't we, in an age of outrage. The 24-hour news cycle, the availability of uh, information on our phones, puts before our eyes new, fresh meat to consume and to be outraged by. We allow ourselves to feed on the curated stories of a corporate interest that wants to manipulate us into outrage so that we can be manipulated even more. You know this, don't you? That when we are raging we are easily manipulated. More than that, though, for me, this is so important. I was reminded of it this week. Good friends of mine, Ramon and Danae Pierre. Ramon is a pastor in downtown Phoenix, and his wife, Danae, leads the Surge Network, a network of churches that we are a part of. As she came home from morning prayer, she found on her door a racial slur, one that I won't repeat. And it wasn't just, it appears to be, it wasn't just a random act of vandalism. No, they were targeted. See, Ramon is black and Danae is Hispanic. And the reason that they were targeted was, the police believe, because they have been assisting with asylum-seeking refugees, answering the call of Christ to give a roof to those who are without one, regardless of their state. They believe, the police believe that they were followed home and targeted by a group whose name I won't mention because I don't want to make them any more popular than they already are. And there were others in the area that were vandalized. But when I heard about this, I was sad I was frustrated that these types of things happen, especially to friends of mine who I know love the Lord and are trying to do good. But more than that, I was outraged. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying I was righteously indignant or I was, like Jesus, mad at the injustice. Oh, no. I was outraged. My thoughts very quickly went to the bat that I keep under my desk and the smug face of the people who did this 
And my prayer was that one day soon the two would meet. And in my own heart, there were moments last week where if somebody would have called me with the right opportunity, I would have answered the call to do violence at whoever it was that hurt my friend. No, I didn't want God's justice. I I didn't want righteous justice. I wanted vengeance. You see, in my outrage, I allowed myself in the moment to become a monster. And I know my own heart, and I know that in my own heart, when I'm outraged, I allow myself to take my foot off the moral brakes. I justify in my own mind doing things that otherwise I would never do. It's deeper than that, I'm afraid. The cut is much deeper than that. For much of this stems from the fact that up until I met Jesus in a real way, I was the guy who tagged people's houses with racial slurs. Before I met Jesus in a real way, I was a neo-Nazi skinhead. I believed that I was part of the master race. Before I met Jesus in a real way, I was that guy. And some of my outrage, to be quite frank, stems from the fact that there's still pain in my past that all of a sudden came up to the surface, and it wasn't righteous justice that I was pursuing. There was shame. There was darkness in my past that came right to the forefront. My baggage blinded me in my heart to what God would have called me to do if I would have met that person. Oh, pray for your enemies. Sure, Jesus, I'll pray for them. I pray that they become prey for me. I need a word from the Lord in this age of outrage. I I, I wonder if maybe some of you may be there as well. And so we're going to look together to Psalm 37. The Psalms are ancient wisdom. They are songs that are also prayers. They're prayers put to song. And what we have in the Psalms, by and large, are the songwriters singing and praying something before God. They're taking their abandonment, their betrayals, their addictions, their pains, and their outrage, and they're taking it to God in prayer. And Psalm 37 may be helpful to us. I'm going to read just the first six verses of Psalm 37, but it encapsulates, I believe, the principles found in the whole text. And we'll also uh, reference some of uh, Psalm 37 throughout our time together. This is Psalm 37. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord. And do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. This is the word of the Lord. In Psalm 37, 
There are many truths that we could mine, but there are three steps of the songwriter in particular I'd like for us to zoom in on as we think about how it is that we live and how it is that we pursue Jesus in the age of outrage. In those moments that we feel outrage, what do we do? There are three steps. You can see them in the text. There's a caution, there's perspective, and there's action. Caution, perspective, action. First, the caution. We'll take a look at it. In the text, you'll find statements like these. Do not be, what's the word? Do not be agitated by evildoers. Refrain from anger and give up on your... You guys aren't saying it right. You're like, rage. Hmm. Now, give up on your... Do not be agitated. There it is again. It can only bring harm. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Good job, Bishop. You're doing a great job. Here's the caution. Your outrage, if gone unchecked, may consume you. I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but at least as I've looked through the corridors of history, every war that I know about was started under the pretense of justice. Every massacre, every wholesale slaughter, every genocide began under the pretense of doing justice. When we are wronged, the caution of the song is this, when we are wronged, The caution is this, do not allow the wrong done to you justify in your own mind or your own heart. Don't allow that wrong to justify further wrongdoing. Don't allow the fact that you're a victim justify in your own heart the ability to become a monster. It will only further the cycle of injustice. We are constantly, are we not, agitated by evildoers or people that we think, by the way, are evildoers. See, it used to be you'd get your nightly news, and before that it was a newspaper periodically. But now at our fingertips, we're inundated with information about what we would perceive to be evildoers. I don't know about you, but the majority of the news that I get is not like this. Uh, righteous people lived righteously and blessed some folks today. No, that doesn't sell. That doesn't sell ads. You know what sells ads? Look at this evil and injustice that's been done. And by the way, the more riled up you are, the more you're going to click. The more you're going to swipe. The more you're going to engage. And in our hearts, we can become monsters. I want to talk to the Christians for a minute. Christian, Jesus calls you his disciple, which means that he is the key influencer in your mind, your heart, and your soul. My question to you is this. Who else are you allowing to disciple you? Who else are you allowing to speak into your mind and into your heart. You, friends, are responsible for who you listen to. And I'm going to ask you, 
I want you to reflect on your week. Who are the voices that you have allowed to speak into your mind and into your heart? And here's my next question. When you hear them and receive their words, do you find the peace and grace of the Lord? Or do you find outrage? Who are you allowing to disciple you? You see, the caution is, in our outrage, do not become a monster. Do not allow your outrage to justify doing something that you would otherwise not do. And so we are cautioned. The second stage of the song is perspective. We'll take a look at it up here on the screen. Perspective. They wither quick, so the evil wither quickly like grass. Their swords will enter their own hearts. I love this illustration. That these people who are outraged, the evildoers, they're sharpening their swords and they're getting ready for war. And yet the swords that they have in their outrage and their desire for vengeance end up piercing their own heart. When we allowed outrage to rule, we are piercing our own hearts. The Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandon or his children begging for bread. Friends, there are many of us who are here today and we feel that caution, but we say things like, I need help. I'm yelling at people I don't want to yell at in my life. I'm angry all the time. And friends, as a church family, we not only want to talk about this, we want to help. And so I'm going to ask that we would put up on the screen, there's a phone number. Uh, Here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. I'm going to ask everyone to take out your phones. Don't go to a news outlet. Might cause you outrage. Seriously, everyone, if you would please take out your phones. If you don't have a phone, take off your shoe and act like it's Get Smart Phone. There's a reason. We're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to collect your phone. If you would please take out your phone. Here's the deal. I'm going to ask everyone to take out your phone. You don't have to turn it on. If you just take it out or act like you have a phone. Here's the reason. We don't want anyone to feel isolated in this moment. As we go through this baggage series, one of the the lies of the evil one is that you're the only one or that I'm the only one who's got baggage. We've all got baggage. And as a church family, the reason I'm asking that we all would take out our phones is because there are some of us who are ready to take that next step. We, we need to be connected to a counselor. We need to be connected to a pastoral coach. We need to be connected to uh, celebrate recovery. We need to be connected to mending the soul. Uh, I don't know what God has for you as your next step. Maybe it's just, I need to meet with somebody to talk about what's my next step. But if you want to take that next step in pursuing Christ-centered healing, we want to help you. And so what we're going to ask you to do is, Uh, We have a list of resources and next steps that we will send to you if you text the word baggage to 55222. That's what we're going to do. We're going to send you those resources. Uh, We don't know your name. We don't know. It's it's handled as uh, confidentially as it can be uh, within our trained staff. Uh, But we want to send that. So I'm going to ask that you guys would just kind of have your phones out uh, and just kind of everyone just kind of fake tap on your phone as if you're typing there. But if if you right now in this moment want to take that next step, would you text the word baggage to 5522? And friends, for those of you uh, who are not quite ready to take that next step, we are always here as a church family. We strive to be as safe of a place as we can be for you to explore healing in Jesus. We want to help you do that today. And we'll put the slide back up, back to perspective. We need a 
godly perspective in the midst of our outrage. That's what the psalm writer is saying. Remember, the evil wither quickly like grass. Remember, the evil, their swords will enter their own hearts. Remember that the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. In uh, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr., one of the best preachers that have ever lived, April 3rd, 1968, was meeting at the Church of God in Christ headquarters in um, Memphis. And he gave a a sermon slash speech. And this is after years of fighting and standing for civil rights, compelled by the gospel of Jesus in nonviolent resistance to stand against what he perceived to be an injustice. And of course, the temptation to become outraged and do violence is so ever-present. And yet I believe that King had a Jesus-centered perspective. And this is what he said. And by the way, this is the last speech that he gave. He was assassinated the next morning, which makes these words even more haunting. We have some difficult days ahead, he says. But it really doesn't matter to me now because I have been to the mountaintop. Time out. When you're in the valley, how much can you see? When you're on the mountaintop, how much can you see? You see, when you're on the mountaintop, what do you gain? Perspective. He says, I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I'd like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I have seen the promised land. And I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people, we will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. For mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. What's that? That's perspective. In the midst of an outrageous situation, King had perspective. And if we, in the midst of outrageous circumstances, are to pursue Jesus as his disciple, we have to have a Christ-centered perspective. This last text gets me every time I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. Years ago, I was able to go with a group from Desert Springs to Kampala, Uganda. And one of the first stops was in a slum. I've got a picture of it here. It was in a slum in Kampala. And we were visiting with, uh, to my memory, there was about 50 boys ranging in age from 4 to 14 and many of these boys had a number cut into their arm. And when we asked what the number was, they said, that's their price. Because many people from the West will fly out here to pay to have sex with these boys. I was outraged. I would have, in that moment, given the right opportunity, gunned down anybody who would have even thought about doing that. 
And yet, in that same experience, I remember I was behind the group a little bit, and to my memory, to my recollection, I, I walked up, and this is the church uh, right here, the building with the, the roof there in the top right. And I remember walking up to the church and <clears throat> hearing these boys singing. And it was hard for me to make out, so I asked, I said, what, what is it that they're singing? They said, oh, they're singing this. I won't beg for bread. I won't beg for bread because my daddy will take care of me. Go back to that slide a minute. He will not abandon, nor will we see his children begging for bread. In that moment, I needed perspective. Romans 12 says this, Romans 12, 17 through 19, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Rather, leave it to God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. The only way to pursue actual justice is to allow God to get his vengeance, his way, not mine. We need perspective. Friends, are you trusting that the Lord will get his vengeance in the circumstances in which you're slighted, the circumstances in which the people that you love are suffering indignities, the circumstances that you find yourself in in which you're outraged? Have you trusted that the Lord's promise to get his vengeance is true? For if you have not, and if you do not believe that the Lord will get his vengeance, you are only left with the alternative to get vengeance for yourself. And let me tell you, friends, pursuing vengeance for ourselves, I know firsthand, it will only continue to add volume to the cycle of evil and destruction in this world. The evil that men do lives on after their death, says Bill Shakespeare. Or if you like Iron Maiden, the evil that men do goes on and on. <laughs> do you have perspective? Caution, perspective, action. Take a look at this. Commit your way, your way, the way you live, the way you act. Commit your way to whom? The Lord. Trust in him and he will act making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. If you've ever been uh, like on a sick day where you're inside the house, all the curtains are drawn, all the lights are out, you're watching that, you're binge watching Netflix or whatever it is, you're just jamming on some video games and you're like, I gotta get out of this house and you open the door and it's 12 o'clock noon in July in Phoenix and you open the door, what happens to you? <laughs> you it's almost blinding light. That's the noonday sun. Let your light shine. Let your righteousness and justice shine like the noonday. And friends, if you and I pursue righteous justice in a state of being outraged, the righteousness becomes corrupt and the justice becomes injustice. No, we have to submit ourselves to the Lord, pursuing gracious, loving justice. Oh, we are to act 
Jesus was very clear. We are to act and pursue justice. But as Matt, Pastor Matt said a moment ago, we are to pursue justice with a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clean conscience. Not out of outrage. Now, we hear this, and of course, all of us are like, yeah, good. But have you seen what's going on? It's outrageous. How on earth do we get the power to do this? How on earth do we get the power to hear the caution and gain the perspective and act in righteousness? How do, how do we get the power to do it? Oh, friends, if we are alone in this, we cannot do this. But we are not alone. God took on flesh and in the person and work of Jesus Christ became one of us and subjected himself to the outrage and the indignity of evil men and women condemning him to death, suffering, beating, mocking, scorn, shame, derision of his own creation and dying at the hands of his enemies. But he did not do this as a helpless patsy. No, Jesus willfully gave up his life because he loves you so much. He gave up his life so that we might be reconciled to our God, so that true righteousness and justice can actually ultimately reign and all that which is broken be made whole again. He did it so that skinheads can become pastors. I don't know where you are, friends, but there is no such thing as too far from God. There is no place, there is no state, there is no state of mind, frame of mind. There is no, there is no person too far from God's love. And he calls you right now. Would you turn and would you face him and would you be embraced by him? He doesn't have shame ready for you, he's got open arms. Only resting in the love of Jesus will we find the power to live Justice, love, and mercy. Have you turned to him today? Have you said yes to Jesus today? Even in the midst of our outrage, he calls us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you resting in the Lord today, friends? He invites you to do so. I invite you to do so.